You're listening to the Quince podcast. Panjshir Valley of northeastern Afghanistan, the last stronghold of anti-Taliban resistance forces in the country, has fallen according to claims made by the Taliban. The valley has historically been the bastion of resistance forces in Afghanistan and has never been captured by any invading force, be it the Soviet Union or the Taliban of the 90s. But with the US forces completely withdrawn from the region, no international support in sight, and a Taliban whose rapid takeover of the country faced little to no resistance, the valley fell after days of clashes between the National Resistance Front and the Taliban. However, the fall of Panjshir may also translate for a setback for India as well. given that pakistan has been a safe haven for the taliban for years and has always looked at afghanistan to further their strategic depth towards india in this episode we will discuss what led to the fall of panjshir valley to the taliban the significance of this takeover and what implications made hold for india for this episode we spoke with former indian ambassador to jordan libya and malta anil tringunayat and senior journalist and author david devdas You're tuned in to The Big Story, the podcast where we dissect the headline-making news for you, and I'm your host, Himmat. The Panjshir Valley has remained free of Taliban control since the group took over Afghanistan on 15th August. However, on 6 September, the militant organization said that it has quote-unquote completely captured the country, controlling all 34 provinces. Now there have been various reports on what exactly led to the fall. According to an NDTV report, both sides have suffered heavy losses with as many as 600 Taliban soldiers killed in the clashes. The NRF also suffered the loss of two of its senior commanders in the clashes as well. Pictures captured on social media reportedly showed Taliban fighters standing in front of administrative buildings and the governor's compound of Panjshir Valley after the fighting ended. Now the resistance group led by Ahmad Masood who is the son of the legendary Taliban opponent and fighter Ahmad Shah Masood has also called for a ceasefire and welcomed negotiations however there are reports of Ahmad Masood and Amrullah Saleh the self-declared caretaker president of Afghanistan having fled to Tajikistan after the Taliban entered the valley there are also conflicting reports on if the Taliban has actually secured the province since after the Taliban announced its claim the NRF on Twitter posted that its forces remain quote unquote in all strategic positions across the valley to continue the fight and that quote unquote Taliban's claim of occupying Panjshir is false however according to NRF senior official who spoke to the Washington Post on the condition of anonymity the Taliban have in fact taken over the Panjshir valley now the valley has historically been the last pocket of resistance has swatted every invading force and has never been captured before so what makes it such a difficult province to capture what has prevented it from being taken over for so long According to former Indian ambassador Anil Tringunayat the topography the terrain and the limited approach routes to the valley made it impossible for any enemy force to enter and make camp Well Hemat uh, you rightly mentioned about the topography of uh, Panjshir valley in fact uh, this is a very strategic a strategically located valley within uh, with a very narrow outlook so from both sides all the other sides is very high hills the mountains there and therefore the terrain is extremely difficult for anybody so there is only one well there now it also can be a very difficult 
um, uh, terrain essentially for the people who are encountered there unless you have some kind of opening or supplies from the other side. So what we are seeing, so it is an extremely uh, difficult uh, situation this time uh, because what we are looking at is that even though the resistance was there of Ahmad Bashud and of Saleh, Namrullah Saleh, both of them trying to put up some kind of a resistance with 10,000 North fighters and all that, what we have witnessed is because it was easier for the Taliban to control the supply and to stop it from both sides. So because it's a very narrow valley, and uh, that is the reason it is uh, it's not that easy. Because at the end of the day, war is based on logistics, and that's precisely the American. I mean, we, in front of you, we have another example why the Afghan forces lost because their logistical supply, support, intelligence network, everything was just gone. So the identical thing was applied here by the Taliban, and I, that's the reason the Taliban was able to get in, and they were very confident of uh, overcoming. Uh, I mean, this obstacle. This was the very last one and very important one because Panjshir means resistance. Because you know, if you remember, we can talk about okay, they were able to. Uh, nobody was able to Saudi, whether Soviet Union, whether the Americans or a Taliban. Nobody was able to get in there. The fact remains is that at that time there were always certain forces who were supporting and providing assistance to them, whether through Pakistan or some other place. You know, so it was much easier for them to supplies to come. There were foreign forces, the other neighboring countries that were supporting. But this time, uh, that thing was not forthcoming for these uh, because I think the international community had uh, has agreed or probably uh, some kind of thing that Taliban is a reality. And I think it was done by the Americans in 2018 itself when they started negotiations and in 2020 when they signed the agreement with Taliban, which means that de facto recognition of Taliban being a legitimate entity that will eventually take over uh, Afghanistan. To close the war from the American side, they indirectly, in my view, legitimized uh, the. So that, that's precisely the reason that you don't have anywhere. Uh, and, and plus, a war fatigue of 20 years. That is another uh, which has uh, caused the Taliban has been fighting all along. So for them, it was like a day-to-day -day affair, you know, the fighting. For the rest of them, Ibrahim Saleh and others, you know, they have been trying to rule. So that's, that's the difference uh, between them uh, at the moment. And for Taliban wanted to complete the victory so that they could say that, okay, 99% of the country is under our direct charge. But this time around, the situation was different. In the past, a resistance group has largely been able to thwart any intrusions due to the control of supply lines from Tajikistan. But this time, according to a Washington Post report, the Taliban rapidly gained control of eight provinces surrounding the valley, including the north of Panjshir, cutting off any support from outside. And there are also several media reports of Pakistan's alleged involvement and support of the Taliban in capturing Panjshir. According to one Indian Express report, Pakistan helped the Taliban via its air force and also supplied arms and ammunition to the group. Lieutenant General Faiz Hamid, the chief of Pakistan's Inter-Services Intelligence (ISI), was also present in Kabul on a reportedly unannounced visit to meet Taliban's de facto leader. Mr. Singhunayat believes that the takeover of Panjshir Valley by the Taliban was not a question of if, but when. No, yeah, I mean it was a matter of time. It was not. Uh, uh, it was when, not if. I mean, they had to take it on. This was uh, because there was no match between the two sides. And as you know, that uh, there are some of the experts who say that with the kind of equipment, billions of dollars worth of equipment that the Americans left behind, 
it means that uh, today uh, Taliban appears to be the fourth strongest army in terms of their equipment. Now, the sheer firepower of that equipment, and more importantly, they are now being controlled by the Pakistanis to a great extent. And the Pakistan government has been providing them all the assistance, and as has been reported uh, in violation of the international regulations, their uh, aircraft are there, that they have been using the drones and all. So I think Iran has rightly mentioned that they are investigating into this matter, whether the uh, Afghan, uh, Afghanistan is going to uh, Pakistan and Pakistan were working in Sulphur uh, to defeat the country. But these are all these factors that have, that have played out. And really, uh, in my view, you know, they, they just uh, brought this advanced uh, victory. The Taliban's quote-unquote complete capture in the country also points to the lack of foreign support in the country at present and marks a major setback for Afghanistan's neighbours, especially India. Now, India has always supported the NRF since the fall of the Taliban in 2001, and Ahmad Shah Massoud even went on to say in an interview that India and the NRF share good alliances. But with Pakistan's increasing activity in Afghanistan and its alleged involvement in Manshir Valley takeover, can the Kashmir Valley be the next target for Taliban forces? The Taliban in the past have made it clear that Kashmir is an India-Pakistan matter and that they don't want to interfere in it. But given the role that Pakistan has played in Taliban's takeover, are there signs pointing towards a shift in Taliban's stance on Kashmir? Senior journalist David Devdas believes that there is a definite possibility of violence spilling over in the Kashmir Valley and beyond. Yes, there is definitely a possibility that uh, violence will uh, spread to uh, Kashmir and possibly uh, beyond uh, from whatever has happened in Afghanistan. Now, an earlier part of your question actually answered the first part, uh, which is, you're right that the Taliban says that it is not going to interfere with uh, what's happening in Kashmir or has no plans for Kashmir. And I think it will continue to say that. But the point is that the Taliban, as you mentioned in your question, is controlled by the ISI or is controlled by Pakistan. It was uh, to a very large extent controlled by Pakistan. It was certainly sent by Pakistan when Benazir Bhutto was the prime minister in uh, 1996 uh, and took over Afghanistan. It uh, now is even more closely controlled from what one can make out. And so it is Pakistan that has taken over Afghanistan to put no finer point on it. And so what we might see in Kashmir is the influx of Afghans. I don't think that the ISI will send the Taliban as the Taliban. You see, the Afghans coming to Kashmir will wear different labels. And as I've already uh, written in an article that the print published, uh, there are different options for this. Now, Al-Qaeda in the Indian subcontinent has already a few months ago renamed its uh, magazine from uh, calling it News of the Afghan Jihad. They've now, from early this year, begun to call it News of Ghazwa-e-Hind. Now, Ghazwa-e-Hind is a legendary prophecy according to which a lot of people believe uh, Islamic forces are meant to, at some stage, uh, conquer India. Now, some say that this already happened in medieval times. Some say that this is now going to happen. So, but there's been a lot of talk about, uh, loose talk perhaps, about Ghazwatul Hind. And 
what I find significant is uh, something that uh, Kabir Taneja's article in uh, War on the Rocks had pointed out in uh, mid-August or late August that uh, this magazine had changed its name. Uh, this is just one indicator that it could be uh, under the label of Al-Qaeda in the Indian subcontinent that uh, these people are sent. There have been various groups that have uh, participated in the jihad in Kashmir, such as Afshari uh, Taiba and Jashi Muhammad, uh, which have both been in, involved in uh, fighting the Americans and, and the West generally in uh, Afghanistan. And those groups will now turn their attention uh, much more fully onto Kashmir, uh, obviously. Over the last few years, in fact, from 2010 onwards, that is the year that Burhanwani went underground, the militancy in Kashmir has largely been uh, run by young boys from South Kashmir who've been taken to the field against the Indian forces. Uh, this Already they've been joined to some extent, particularly by Lashkar and by other groups, uh, including um, Islamic State. Now that's another possibility that Islamic State Khorasan province, uh, which uh, claimed responsibility for the blasts in a, at the uh, Kabul airport, uh, could be the, the vehicle uh, through which Afghans come to Kashmir. That's another possibility. Uh, I do suspect that there are, there are different layers of, uh, of management uh, by certain intelligence agencies uh, through which even that outfit may actually be under the influence of uh, our friends across the border. But certainly whether ISKP is or not, Al-Qaeda in the Indian subcontinent clearly has good relations with the Taliban and uh, no doubt with the ISI. So any of these could be used as the, the sort of banner under which Afghans come to Kashmir. There has reportedly also been a rise in militancy and Kashmiri youth joining Pakistan terror outfits like Lakshare Taiba and Jaish e Mohammed. According to Deccan Herald report, 163 local Kashmiri youth have joined the militant group in 2020, while 80 have joined since the beginning of 2021. Now, even though India has strategically and militarily upgraded its tactical preparedness to thwart any physical attempt at the border, does the real worry lie internally with Kashmir? David Devdas, Vaisan. Let me, however, point you to something that I said at a conference in April 2017. Uh, I said that we should be preparing for a combo sort of aggression uh, from the East and the West and in the West from various elements. Let us not forget that it has become clear, and this is another article I wrote uh, last month, uh, that what has happened in Afghanistan is essentially the takeover of Afghanistan by Pakistan with the backing, the clear backing of uh, an alliance, if you like, or at least a lineup of various very important countries, China, Russia, perhaps to some extent Russia, Iran, surprisingly, Turkey, all of these are standing shoulder to shoulder with Pakistan at this point. And the West has basically evacuated from South Asia. And so India is pretty much on its own in with what we have to face. If And remember, and I pointed out in that article that 
part of the reason why China, Russia, Iran are on board with what Pakistan has done is that they do not want to antagonize the Taliban so that they come into their territories against them. So China is worried about Xinjiang, Russia about Central Asia, the Central Asian republics, Iran about its own territory, and the Shia populations in the north and east of uh, Afghanistan. All of them would be quite happy if the Taliban or the Afghans in general or the Afghan fighters who have nothing better to do in terms of other employment uh, are able to find another sort of area of field of operation for another jihad. And so for all of them, it would be suitable to send them to a spot such as Kashmir. Now, I hope that doesn't happen, or I hope the calculations are not so coldly cynical, but we should be prepared for geopolitics is a dirty business. It is all about national interest and everything else going down the tubes uh, by comparison with or, or in light of their national interest. In our previous episodes, we have taken deep dives into the Afghanistan crisis, decoding the implications on women's rights, the ground reality, the shift in geopolitics, and more. If you have missed any of those episodes, you can find a link to them in our show notes. If you liked listening to this episode, please subscribe to The Big Story for episodic updates. We're available on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, GeoSavan, and most of the other popular podcast streaming platforms. For other podcasts, please log on to the Quint website and for any feedback, please shoot an email to podcast at thequint.com. Thanks for listening. Log on to the Quint website and check out our other podcasts. 